Thanks and welcome to everybody who's joining live and to those who will be listening in later. This is the seventh space in a weekly series called Adopting Bitcoin, a conversation with Galois. We're here to hold discussions with thoughtful leaders about Bitcoin and Lightning adoption and about enabling communities and institutions to use Bitcoin as money, which is our mission at Galois. Today, we're excited to have the Bitcoin support team from Bull Bitcoin with us. Bull Bitcoin is a Canadian Bitcoin only exchange serving Canadian users since 2015. And they recently launched Bitcoin support under the domain bitcoinsupport.com. And it's a service that helps people install, secure, and manage Bitcoin wallets with one on one phone support. So, this is kind of a big deal because Many Bitcoiners, when they make their Bitcoin pitch and all the great properties of Bitcoin that we like to talk about, like censorship resistant and permissionless, open, etc., are recounted. The usual fine print that many give is, unlike the centralized financial services that you may be used to, there is no Bitcoin hotline that you can call to get support when you need. But this Bitcoin support service by Bull Bitcoin sure does sound like now. So I'm excited to hear more about how this works and potentially refine my Bitcoin pitch fine print after this space. So without further ado, from Bitcoin support by the Bull Bitcoin team, I welcome Gustavo and Tristan to the space. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate being here. Awesome. Well, before we jump into things and talk about what Bitcoin support is, can, you, can I ask you to introduce yourselves to the listeners? Of course. So my name is Gustavo Flores. Uh, I was the co-founder and CEO of Verify and uh, Bull Bitcoin acquired Verify in August 21. Uh, so I've been working at Bull Bitcoin ever since. Uh, basically what we, Bitcoin support is a result of the acquisition of Verify. Uh, at Verify we were already helping people with their self-custody and we already had services related to it. Uh, so we just basically created Bitcoin support at Bull Bitcoin uh, to take to another level the services we had already set up at Verify. And, and like uh, it works very well for us because uh, Bull Bitcoin is a non-custodial exchange. Uh, so our users already need uh, self-custody support. And that's what Bitcoin support provides. I'm uh, executive vice president at Bull Bitcoin, uh, just under Francis Puglia. Uh, so I'm really in charge of managing project, new projects, and, uh, and the team. Yeah, on my part, my name is Tristan Borges-Larry, uh, also a co-founder of Verify, and I was uh, CEO over there. And now, since the acquisition of Verify by Bull Bitcoin, uh, I now am head of support at Bitcoin Support. So the people signing up for those services will be uh, having sessions with me. Uh, I also take care of creating a lot of the educational content and the guides that you see on the Bitcoin support website, uh, doing the research and setting them up. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, this sounds like uh, really a great match, uh, having a, well, non-custodial Bitcoin exchange that actually is in need of sovereign Bitcoiners and then offering the service sounds, makes a lot of sense in my head. But uh, before we dive into this, um, how it came about, um, can you maybe, explain on your bitcoinsupport.com for those that haven't checked it out yet it's pretty new um it says become a sovereign bitcoiner so my question is uh what what does it mean uh to be a sovereign bitcoiner in your minds 
Yeah, sure. So to us, uh, being a sovereign Bitcoiner is about uh, being in control of your own uh, Bitcoin. So uh, if you don't, if you're not self-custodying, you're you're not a sovereign Bitcoiner. And even a question could be, uh, are you really a Bitcoiner? Uh, so for it's really about uh, giving people the ability to take full on responsibility of their finances uh, by doing self-custody. And at Bull Bitcoin, we just don't give a choice. Uh, we just don't allow you to leave the coins at our exchange. You have to take responsibility for them. And it, it can be a tricky process for some. And that's why we offer uh, support through Bitcoin support. You know? And you don't have to go with the full-on uh, air-gapped cold card, which we do recommend for, for many. But you can start with a regular more hot wallet on, on your cell phone and you can go from there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Please go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, what I was about to say is we're each our own individual, we each have our own identity, uh, we can own assets and opt in or out of systems as we see fit, I mean, in an ideal world. Um, obviously, now we have institutions that transfer power away from individuals into those central institutions. Uh, and, and yeah, being a sovereign Bitcoiner is taking that power back, uh, especially in the form of money, uh, money being, you know, a, a base layer of, of society. So really it is uh, having full responsibility over that property, which is Bitcoin. Um, and it's realizing that, yes, that responsibility is extremely important. And, but it also allows you to, to be free, to achieve more greater degrees of freedom in your own life. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, it, um, it, like if you listen, it, um, like everyone should be like um, the sovereign Bitcoiner, hold their own own finances, um, hold their own keys. But it's probably not something people are used to uh, that they grew up with. Um, I mean, there's already been like a 50 year fiat regime. Uh, banking is, is most of the things are taken care of for you. So it's something new that people need to learn. Why is it so difficult to to become sovereign? Um, is it was it even possible before Bitcoin? Uh, and now that we have Bitcoin, what makes it difficult uh, and to become a sovereign Bitcoiner? Well, in a way, it was kind of possible, you know, to own your gold bars and be uh, stack them up, protect them. But you were always limited by the the physical space, the meat space, and like yeah. so, like even even then, you, you'd still be constrained uh, in in transporting your your wealth and and things like that. So Bitcoin really offers that the the it really removes those limits uh, of the of the meat space. Uh, but to like to come back to the to the other question, like. Uh, uh, why is it uh, so so important, you know, to to be sovereign? Well, like it's uh, the, the reason why it's so important is because uh, like there's just so many risks associated to like not being sovereign, and, and some people just don't see that. And like um, and like people, why don't people make the the jump directly? I think it's mostly like a, a mental block, you know. It's not hard to install blue wallets and write down a seed phrase like but it's it's harder to just think that you can do it right it's harder to to convince yourself that you're able enough uh, to do that to have the confidence uh, to start doing it so i think that's the first step you know for people to really understand that this is not as hard as they think it is and that they're able to do it uh, and only if they try they will figure it out that it's really not as hard as they thought it would be yeah i think one of 
the other barriers to why it is so difficult is when taking Bitcoin into your own hands, uh, you're making the choice of freedom over safety. And like you mentioned, it's been, what, 70 years that people have been used to the comfort of having institutions and not having to worry about, you know, losing their money um, in most, I guess, I guess in the Western world. Um, so, yeah, people are, are scared, uh, can be more intimidated into just adopting a Bitcoin standard and controlling their own coins. But this is also why we're here to, you know, offer this service or the education for people to to be more at ease. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think also maybe one thing is times like the banking system and not being sovereign works well for a long time. It's a little bit like the Turkey in December uh, that uh, has like great uh, 11 months ahead of uh, the, the life until Thanksgiving comes. And then they're gone kind of thing, um, like um, like we've seen with the Coralito or uh, banking crises or the 6102 or things like that. For a long time, everything was great uh, until it wasn't. And um, obviously, if you give people like uh, if you trust others to take custody of your funds, um, then that trust may be abused. Uh, so. What are the steps to becoming sovereign? Um, as uh, I assume you have a playbook, you've thought about this a lot uh, since you're dealing with it uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, have you um, uncovered an ideal uh, stairway uh, or staircase to sovereignty maybe? Um, can you share something about that? Yeah, definitely. I think Tristan would be very appropriate for you to to walk everyone through the steps that you created on the guide. Yeah, well, often uh, for people that are new to the space, I always say buy first and do your research later uh, so that you actually have the incentive, you have skin in the game to actually uh, understanding what you're holding on to. And the easiest way to going about that is just download a mobile wallet like Blue. Super easy to set up. Uh, and then it's also when, when doing your research, I mean, um, really pounding into your mind the fact that, hey, your 12 words or your 24 words, your seed phrase, is uh, essentially what you need to take care of. Uh, because without that, you don't have Bitcoin, really. It's just a number on the screen. So, yeah, first step, really, download a mobile wallet. It's simple. It's also very secure. Overestimated how um, people think that, okay, it's on your phone, it might be at risk of theft or hack, but I mean, that, that risk is relatively low uh, on, on your, having it on your, on, your mobile, on your mobile device or on your computer as well. Uh, so really just begin with that and then start heading down the rabbit hole. Uh, and then as you develop that knowledge, then you'll be interested. You'll, you'll just want to stack more. Uh, it's a tendency I've seen across many different kinds of individuals. And then that's where you can get into more advanced setups uh, or even, you know, privacy setups as well, like Wasabi, CoinJoin and whatnot. And so a mobile wallet, um, like you mentioned, Blue Wallet uh, in the beginning for a first step is a absolutely acceptable uh, first wallet to have. Is that right? 
Yeah, because like it's in our opinion, it is. You can always tell people that there's risk associated to hot wallets. You can always tell them to go straight to cold card or hard wallet. But so many will make that jump uh, and will just leave the coins on the exchange. So like for us, it's really about moving the coins from the exchange. It's about incentivizing people to just take custody of their own coins, removing them from the exchange, and then upgrade from there. You know, it's a, it's a huge upgrade. The biggest upgrade is not from mobile wallet to hard wallet. The bis- biggest upgrade is from having an exchange to take in self-custody. Yeah, Blue, Blue removes a lot of friction. Well, w- mobile wallets in general remove a lot of friction, especially to those entering the space. I mean, are you going to buy 100 bucks of Bitcoin just to test it out and then go straight to a cold car wallet that costs twice that or other wallets that cost around 100 bucks too? No, I mean, you, you're probably hesitant about what this is all about. So, yeah, installing a mobile wallet like Blue just makes the process much smoother. Yeah, I'm very happy to hear that uh, from you guys with uh, so much uh, experience because obviously, like, a cold card, I, I'm not 100% sure what the price is, like uh, around 60 or 80 US dollars, which is like an okay sum to spend uh, when you're living in Europe or you guys are in Canada. Uh, but for example, in El Salvador, um, median income is around $300 or uh, same here in Turkey and in many other places. Um, uh, mobile uh, phones are far more pro- proliferated and the median income is may, may not afford uh, a hardware wallet for a Bitcoin purchase. Uh, um, I mean, what's the first Bitcoin purchase one makes? Maybe a hundred bucks or maybe 200, depending on, again, what their income is. Obviously, you can buy as much as you want. But um, um, having already phones uh, so proliferated all around the world, uh, there's sayings like that uh, they're more uh, mobile phone access around the world than even in some places to clean water. Uh, or, <laughs> and so that, this makes it r- really easy to onboard users uh, for the first wallet. Um, so do you have, like, at what point would you say um, someone then should take the next step to make a air-gapped or hardware wallet, uh, which is a cold wallet, cold storage that is not touching the internet, that's very, very difficult to hack for an attacker. Uh, when, when should one make that step? Well, I think it's, it, d- it depends really on your situation. So let's say some could say it's an amount of money. But then again, if you're extremely wealthy, uh, it's, it's very different than if all your money is in Bitcoin, right? Uh, so I think the first question to ask yourself is uh, how comfortable are you uh, with your current setup and the moment you're starting to feel stressed about it and not super comfortable uh, and and that's probably the the, the moment to, to make the jump you know uh, but it can also be an amount of money right at what point it makes sense it's a little bit more expensive what, than what you said it's like 130 dollars for cold card so at what okay. point does it make sense to to spend 130 dollars is it when you're you've bought a thousand dollars of bitcoin and you spend 13 percent on a hardware wallet that's maybe a bit too much. So it's probably on the many thousands of dollars. Uh, yeah. and, and, and that also depends on your net worth. And it also depends. And the third factor to consider, it's what's your current phone uh, device or, or desktop device? Is it like extremely secure and like you're sure of that? 
then you can be even more flexible and you can put more money in. However, advise that you don't know if it's secure, uh, have the technical understanding of the of its security, then maybe it's it's better to make the jump sooner rather than later. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds reasonable. Uh, I'm absolutely um, happy to hear that. Generally, if the setup is right and not too bad, like two major red flags, I don't know, uh, like uh, site loaded uh, Android apps from uh, shady looking sites all over uh, might increase the risk of uh, funds being lost. Of what's the dangers here? Like, do you have any experience in that? Have you heard any stories? And not to scare anyone away from using mobile wallets, but um, I haven't come across any stories of theft. Do you? Well, I've very few. Like, to be honest, this is an overestimated risk. Like, to say that mobile wallets are getting hacked left and right, there's very little proof of that. So from, mm. a, technical, from a theoretical point of view, yes, it's less secure and there's many attacks. But from a practical point of view like is it really happening it's very limited i'd say the main issues that you have with mobile wallets is installing the wrong application it's installing a uh, a fake application uh, and it pretends to be the one but it really isn't uh, so that's the main risk you know uh, mm -hmm. doing things like that installing not upgrading to the latest versions when like uh, like risks have been found you know uh, so like those are the main risks sure there's a possibility that like a major vulnerability is found uh, in other ways and is exploited but those are definitely less uh, uh, prevalent as, as people imagine yeah. yeah you're more likely to get uh, sim swapped and your funds that you're holding on an exchange uh, stolen than uh, much more likely actually because yeah the odds of your mobile wallet getting hacked are just extremely low I've never heard of a case or seen in the news anywhere of mobile wallets being breached. Yeah, on a funny note, I just sim swapped myself uh, two days ago because I lost my phone. And um, here where I live here in Turkey, uh, all of these banks sent their 2FA codes. Yes. So uh, this sounds probably very scary to many in the Bitcoin space. But to my pleasant surprise, um, once I sim swapped myself and basically got my own number again on a second uh, SIM card, um, all of my 2FA codes stopped being sent as an SMS. So I had to go to the bank and unlock um, uh, the SMS 2FA again. So lock into my bank account. So that was pleasant surprise of the uh, banking here. Um, but generally, yeah, um, what are the major uh, problems that sovereign Bitcoiners face and need help with in your experience? Yeah, so the biggest hurdle, in my opinion, would be, first of all, they, they really take their, their security and privacy seriously, or maybe a bit too much, and they want to go as far as possible into uh, making sure that there are absolutely no vulnerabilities. So they'll, try, they'll, they'll go after overly complex setups, and uh, it's not that the setup's bad, but it's that the user ends up making mistakes. So that, yeah, number one is user error, uh, in my opinion. Uh, they're going to go for a multi-sig or, uh, I don't know, set up multiple uh, decoy wallets and or just make a mistake when writing down their seed word. 
or forget or they split their seed word or they have different locations to hide uh, important elements and then they forget one of them. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've gone through that too. I mean, I, I know that I try and then uh, I try to look for my backup and then I'm like, oh, damn, I don't remember where it is. Eventually I found it, but I mean, it's, it happens uh, more often than we think that people make mistakes or they forget uh, where they hide their their keys, you know? So <clears throat> those that's a big problem. You can't necessarily solve it with software, but you can make sure that, um, you know, you go over simplicity and ease of use. Those sound, those, those sound a little bit like problems from being overly cautious and paranoid. Uh, like trying to uh, employ overly best practices or not even any more best practices to split the seed uh, and hide it in different places. So if a thief comes into your house uh, looking to rob you of your Bitcoin and so they can only find uh, if they spend, well, they can't find all the pieces. Is that right? And all, similarly, like a multi-sig, may, maybe probably an um, overkill for many um, retail users um, uh, are these like really the the biggest issues that you are facing or seeing or hearing uh, in the community? They're they're relevant, but the biggest issue really is losing your seed, your or your device, and like not backing up correctly. Losing is is by far the biggest risk. Like theft, people mm -hmm. overestimate the risk of theft and of mm -hmm. hacking and underestimate the risk of them losing uh, their coins or their backups. Uh, and like, really, people should be focused on making solid backups and uh, not losing them. And like, maybe redundancy as well, you know. Uh, the, the chance of someone stealing is, is so inferior to you losing it by over-trusting yourself, you know. Uh, but the point that Tristan made is, is important to consider as well, you know. You really don't want to go for the overkill and you really don't want to think of yourself as the security expert that figured things out that others couldn't, you know. So, like, multi-sig for us is, is definitely an overkill for most individuals. Uh, and, like, uh, coming up with your own schemes is, is an overkill as well. That's why we propose uh, a specific um, path, a specific way of doing your backups, of, you, uh, of doing your setup. Uh, that way you can always go back to our guide. and You can always remember... Oh, yeah, that's how I did it, you know, because a lot of people just forget how they, they, they came up, how they, they're custom their coins. They just forget, you know. Yeah, theft is, uh, I mean, as soon as you're self-custodying your coins, the risk of theft greatly reduces, especially if you're moving off an exchange, which are honeypots in general. Um, and also, I mean, if you're not screaming to the world, hey, I have a bunch of Bitcoin or describing your setup to other people well i mean who's gonna know right yeah <clears throat> so so the risk does come from your end um making losing your stuff so from all of these experiences and all of the things uh, just quick recount of what we talked through so mobile wallets are a good uh, first step um, for most and could be even like um for extended period uh, depending on the risk profile what kind of apps you put on your phone um, is a good first step to get onboarded and become sovereign, get to get the coins off the exchange because those are a big risk of theft as well. Um, a, a lot of false trust um, allocated. The Bitcoin history is full of exit scams and uh, exchanges um, just disappearing. 
So that's probably a big risk that is then, then mitigated uh, when you hold your own keys. Um, but what in general, like, um, led you to offer Bitcoin support and what is Bitcoin support really? Like, how, can you talk a little bit about background, um, how it came to be um, and, uh, and what it offers and walk us through the services that you offer? Definitely. So really, the, it, it came from Verify. So it, uh, as Verify, we began uh, by producing research that was freely available on the web. Uh, and people started contacting us, you know, to, to help them out. And the main need people had uh, was self-custody help and privacy help as well. So like CoinJoin uh, and stuff like that. So that's really how, how Verify uh, came to be. And it all happened through uh, mostly like in-person contact when we had uh, uh, the, the Bitcoin Montreal meetup that was very popular and then we had very big events. Uh, a lot of people would, you know, approaches for that. Uh, however, uh, like now that we're part of Bull Bitcoin um, earlier, like uh, the, the, the biggest friction for non-custodial exchange is uh, getting people set up with wallets, right? Uh, it's a huge difference with custodial exchanges where you just click on buy and, and it happens and it stays there, right? Now you got to, with a non-custodial exchange like us, you got to get an address. What's an address? Get a wallet. What's a wallet? How do I set up a wallet? Uh, do I back up my words directly? Uh, so, like, there's just so many questions that people ask themselves, and there's so much friction attached to it. So, it just made sense for us to create a service and free educational resources that people could use to, you know, uh, soften that friction. However, it's not 100% solved because it still requires time, still requires an effort uh, and a commitment. Uh, so. From our experience of Verify and uh, the need of Bull Bitcoin of reducing that friction, uh, there came Bitcoin support. And I'd say the last reason is that uh, Bull Bitcoin has an international brand. However, the exchange and the pay process, payment processor service can only be offered to Canadians. So Bitcoin support is a way for international customers uh, to use our services. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so how does it work? It says one-on-one -on -one phone support. You have different packages on your on your website. Um, there is, for example, um, the first package, which says um, mobile wallet for $100, uh, 30 minute phone call. Can you can you walk us through how that works uh, and what kind of problems pop up on your end? Uh, when people call that call that line, for sure. Um, so our first package, like you mentioned, is the mobile wallet, and we use Blue Wallet for this uh, particular package. Uh, it is a hundred dollars, but it also comes with uh, twenty five dollars worth of Bitcoin. So by the end of this workshop, you can already start practicing using Bitcoin, uh, doing some transactions, which is um, you know, so you get the full experience. And I mean. It's relatively straightforward. We go through the process of installing the application, writing down your 12-word uh, seed backup, and really, again, hammering away the importance of this step. It is the most crucial step because, I mean, if you lose it, you lose your funds. 
And uh, we, well, we also add a passphrase. Each one of our packages, whether they're on mobile, desktop, or on uh, the cold card, includes a passphrase. So uh, for those that don't know, it's uh, an additional set of words. Uh, we recommend 12 characters and also you know, combining several words together uh, just so it's easier to remember in case mm -hmm. something happens to your backup. Um, yeah, so you add... Can, can you give an example for a good passphrase? Um, so what you can do is essentially look up the list of uh, the BIP39 seed words, uh, BIP39 words, sorry. Or you can just open up a dictionary as well, and you pick out three, four words. Uh, ideally, you're, you're at 12 characters, so it can be mm -hmm. Apple, uh, I don't know, car, sofa, television. And then you mm -hmm. can try and make a sentence with those words, and then you can decide if you want it all caps or not, and choices. But you can keep it simple, keep it small caps, no spaces. And uh, yeah, well, we, we recommend this because um, over time, we've People have developed the habit of uh, using extremely complex passwords, but they often end up being easier for computers to break uh, or brute force rather than just using, you know, something a bit longer. And it's just using words. Uh, it's more difficult to brute force if ever someone were to try. But it's also easier to to remember, remember in case, uh, you know, your your backup of that passphrase disappears for some reason. So, yes. And the act that a passphrase basically gives the user is yeah. that if the seed that they have stored is found by some malicious actor who wants to steal the Bitcoin, they can actually not use it without the passphrase. Is that right? Exactly. It gives you a plausible deniability. So <clears throat> someone that comes into contact with this seed phrase, and often, um, surprisingly, it's someone in your entourage that might fall upon this set of 12 or 24 words. And I mean, by this time, um, people can guess or understand that, hey, this is probably a Bitcoin seed phrase. Uh, so in case someone comes into contact with uh, that set of words, well, they, they won't be able to steal your funds because you have this additional phrase that essentially generates an entirely new wallet. So any passphrase is valid. Um, so if you, again, if your passphrase is, uh, like I said, Apple, sofa, car, let's say, <clears throat> if you change one character, it will create a new wallet. So again, you need to be careful when writing down that, seat, uh, that passphrase because uh, it will just lead to a new wallet. Yeah, perfect. And um, so you have this uh, first package with blue wallet that you chose. Um, uh, which is a great wallet. Um, I think they use the LDK and BDK uh, development kits uh, that are developed by uh, Spiral BTC. Um, and, uh, and the second package that you have is uh, a desktop wallet. Can you, can you speak a little? Um, so this is probably where, where the CoinJoin fund starts. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. The desktop wallet that we chose is Navi. So again, um, very similar to the first setup, you have your seed phrase, and actually Wasabi implements a passphrase by default. Uh, it's just that in, within the application, they use the term password, uh, and you'll need to enter that password every time you wish to uh, sign a transaction. As well, but you'll also need it if you want to recover your funds, if anything were to happen to your computer or to the application itself. 
So desktop, yeah, it has a, a more features and also you can go further once you're comfortable using that Bitcoin. Uh, and the application, like you mentioned, there's CoinJoin, uh, which essentially is uh, mixing your Bitcoin so you can gain greater anonymity. It's important oh, yeah, so to note that uh, the, we have a separate CoinJoin package. The desktop mm -hmm. wallet is really focused on Wasabi wallet features, uh, such as receiving, backing up, uh, and sending coins. Uh, however, it's, it's the reason why we chose Wasabi uh, for desktop is that Wasabi enforces some privacy by default. So, for example, uh, when you use Wasabi, you're always using connecting to the network with Tor. Uh, which means that your IP address is always protected uh, from the server, uh, which is a huge upgrade from other wallets in terms of privacy. Uh, so like those, the, that's probably the main reason why we chose Wasabi. It's because of its focus by default on privacy. And then CoinJoin is additional, uh, but like, like I said, like CoinJoin is, is not by default uh, compared to other features. Yeah, makes sense. This is an extra package. So you have four packages uh, in total, a mobile wallet package with Blue Wallet, a desktop wallet package with Wasabi Wallet by ZK Snacks, and um, probably the fourth package that is Privacy and CoinJoin, uh, there you get, it, it's 90 minutes workshop. I'm calling it a workshop now because it's 90 minutes, uh, but basically that's what you're teaching there, right? Um, like. Or, or can you tell a, a little what kind of steps are you teaching in the privacy and coin join um, uh, workshop? Right. So it's really two separate steps. So like uh, a lot of people talk about coin join without mentioning coin control. And that's uh, an issue because nothing you do in privacy matters if you're not already doing coin control. Coin control is very simple. Uh, however, it has to be explained and has to be implemented. Coin control is about labeling each different UTXO you have and making sure you don't mix your UTXOs one with the other. You know, so like UTXOs, for those who don't know, they're like separate pieces of Bitcoin. Bitcoin's really like you have separate bills on your wallet, uh, like of US dollar bills. Bitcoin is, is kind of similar. You have def separate pieces of Bitcoin. And we call those UTXOs, which are unspent transaction outputs. Uh, so the first of all, privacy is of labeling and keeping segregated your different UTXOs uh, so that you don't show to the blockchain that all your coins and addresses are linked together and are owned by the same person. So the first part of the workshop is troll, and the second part is about coin join. The reason why it's so long, it's because we uh, like we show you how to do a coin join, like, and we go through the full round of coin join. So we go through the steps of being in the queue, of waiting for the participants, of the coin join starting, of the first signing, the last signing, and the completion of, of the coin join. So uh, that takes a little while. And at the end, like all the packages, it comes with $25 worth of Bitcoin. Awesome. And these services, these 30-minute uh, and 45-minute and 90-minute, I think you also have like one package for cold card with a hardware wallet that's six. So uh, it's a little bit like a staircase to sovereignty here already um, in your in your packages. Um, who is giving these? Uh, 
uh, who is on the other end, on your end uh, of these uh, phone calls? Uh, are you doing these uh, yourself as well? Or do you have like a trained staff? Uh, and how many people are there? Uh, can you speak a little about your team? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Uh, so far, it's myself doing the workshops. I have a few other support members, uh, you know, maintaining the, the, helping out with logistics and whatnot. Uh, but for the time being, it's you'll be spending time with me for these workshops. And then as the operations grow and, you know, the work spreads out more, then yes, then there's uh, more people from the Bull Bitcoin team that will onboard. Fantastic. And um, how is the market resonance so far? Um, if, if you're the only one, uh, I mean, you just got started, right? Uh, wh when was the time you started? Uh, we launched on uh, December 20th. Okay, so it's been not even a month. So it's brand new service. Um, the fine print can be eradicated from the Bitcoin pitch that there is no Bitcoin hotline anymore uh, or, or there is none compared to the legacy financial system. There is one now. Um, but how has been the market resonance and uh, your experiences so far? Yeah, so to be honest, the market resonance isn't as, uh, as good as we thought it would be. Uh, I think that's, well, first off, it's just things start slow, slower than you, you, you'd want them to. So that's obviously uh, the, the, the obvious answer. Uh, but I think as well, like a lot of people, you know, they, they talk more than they, they do. You know, self-custody, everyone's like, not your keys, not your coins, but it's harder to put in practice. And like, it takes time and it takes effort. So like, there's that as well. You know, there's, there's definitely a difference between the message that the community is sending and, and what the community is doing. And there's, there's work to do on that front, you know. Uh, but I think as well, uh, what people need to understand is that, yes, on Twitter, we might all have our wallets, uh, but Bitcoin support, you can gift it to your friends. So, like, uh, you, can, you can buy a package for a friend or a family mm -hmm. member that you just, uh, and, like, we have, a, like, it's, it's built for that. You know, it's built to give it. Uh, to someone uh, and like uh, you can let's say you have a platform you have an exchange and you want your users to to self-custody you can buy 10 20 packages you can give them to your users uh, and that's something that we're doing as well you know as as we're getting leads for uh, our, our bull bitcoin service for the exchange we're also onboarding people with bitcoin support uh, for those that don't have a wallet uh, you know but and also i'd like to mention that there's a lot of traffic on the guides uh, so as much for us, this is a service that we charge for. We're like super happy that people are using our guides uh, for free. Mm -hmm. You know, like, as long as people self custody, uh, we've reached our mission. Yeah, awesome. Maybe maybe we can contribute uh, to get out here uh, with this space uh, a little bit. Uh, so this sounds uh, what you just mentioned uh, sounds like a really um, nice pitch. Like if you if you have convinced someone of the ills of the legacy financial system. And they're basically ready to go, um, but um, but I, I don't have time to them or ha hold their hand. I can just buy, for example, a package for them and and send them to you guys, uh, and they even get their first Bitcoin uh, wherever they are. Right? Uh, the the support language is in English, uh, if, or do you uh, do you have other languages as well? I assume maybe you might be Spanish speaking as well from your names. Yeah, well, right now it's in English, and yes, it's offered um, any, everywhere around the world, and we've already had a few international clients. Uh, like, it's 
uh, what we've seen is an influx of people that have received gifts. So that's really cool that that message is starting to resonate. Uh, and I mean, that's that's the kind of people we know as well. Uh, that's the Bitcoin space we're, we're working in. Uh, regarding language, uh, yeah, so far in English, but the next step would actually be offering it in French since uh, we're all from the province of Quebec yeah. in Canada. Uh, that's the another language we're comfortable using and then uh, we'll go from there. Nice. Before we um, invite uh, uh, some listeners onto the stage to um, ask questions to you guys, um, I'd like to ask you, like, what are, why is, first of all, why is now the right time to offer the serv these services? Why didn't we see this in the Bitcoin space before 2021? And um, can, you, can, you, can you speak a bit to that? Yeah, definitely. So, like, when we launched the service, uh, Peter Todd uh, did a tweet uh, that I think is linked to this question. Basically, what he said is, like, it's extremely hard to launch, like, uh, support services for, for tech, you know, in general, and for Bitcoin. Like, it's extremely hard to make a profitable business out of it. And, to and like, it, it takes balls and courage to, to launch that. And, and like, uh, because it's, it's, it's very labor-intensive, you know. You're, you're talking one-on-one -on -one with support agents. It's not like the, the thing is automated, right? So, so there's that, you know. Uh, and I think it's because uh, there hadn't been... Uh, like profitable companies like Bull Bitcoin uh, that had reached a sufficient scale uh, that uh, adding a service like this was actually a way to reduce the friction of the main service, right? That's the reason why we launched this. It's because it complements our, our main exchange and payment processing service. Uh, and, like, uh, and we have a sustainable, profitable business uh, that can uh, you know, take care of, uh, uh, of handle, uh, keeping things afloat. So I think maybe it's that, you know, that we hadn't reached that stage yet uh, of having companies that uh, could afford that. Uh, and also, you know, uh, it, there was maybe in the early days of Bitcoin much consciousness about self-custody because we hadn't seen what keep leaving your coins on exchange does, right? Now people have a clearer understanding of that and we have more experience. Uh, so I think now is the right time. Yeah, and I mean, this state of the world is changing as we're speaking. Uh, there's a lot of people that, like ourselves, where we've left our home and, you know, uh, we need to be have more flexibility with uh, the assets uh, we own. And uh, being self-sovereign with Bitcoin gives us a, a big leg up um, into being mobile and also maintaining uh, you know, a greater part of our freedom. And yeah, uh, this monetary system is is just so much more fragile now than it was before, and and people have much less trust in institutions. Uh, and I, I think we're we're reaching that peak. So, you know, uh, helping people becoming self-sovereign, uh, especially with Bitcoin, it can resonate much more now than uh, you know than a few years earlier, where people didn't have that risk of you know bank accounts being closed or their money being. Yeah, it's becoming a really like um, mainstream thing. Um, nobody really denies it anymore. The United States just came out with inflation of 7% the other day. Um, and other places like Argentina or Turkey or Venezuela, um, the, the stories are being recounted. Um, yeah, at this point, I would like to invite 
the listeners uh, to just request um, and uh, to come on the stage if they like. If you want to ask a question about Bitcoin support um, to Gustavo and Tristan. Um, and while we're waiting, um, I think I, I would like to mention that it's really um, remarkable what Bull Bitcoin did um, in terms of going the hard route, the difficult route of not even offering users the chance to to um, to be studied, to be trusting. They they are forced to become uh, self sovereign, and this is obviously a difficult. Well, makes your business like it's not really a, from a business point business perspective, not the wisest decision probably that brings the most revenue for Bull. Um, in times when uh, other exchanges are just like not even implementing SegWit for years, not even implementing Taproot or uh, listing one uh, altcoin after the other just because it's hype. I think it, um, it's really worth uh, applauding you guys uh, and commending you for, for what you do at Bull Bitcoin and um, show how show the importance uh, in the design of the of the app um, of being sovereign and uh, holding your own keys and also bringing out the services and uh, resources that enable users um, to become self sovereign. Well, thanks a lot for that. Uh, really appreciate it. I just would like to add a note on that. I'd say on the longer term, it, even if it's a harder choice at first, it pays off. You know because now, for example, in Canada, we have a different regulatory framework because we're non-custodial, uh, which is a, is a big business advantage. Uh, it forces us to build infrastructure uh, rather than just focus on the front end, uh, which makes us way more resilient on the long term. So there's even though it's harder route at first, uh, it does on the long term. My experience as well, it pays off being a good Bitcoiner in the long run, even though it might be a little painful in the beginning. Exactly. <laughs> All right. We have, a, we have a question. Project A. Um, go ahead. It's your turn. Well, I was looking at, um, you know, looking over things and it said Bitcoin support. So I think I might have misunderstood. But I was wondering if you what uh, change you guys were using if any other ones besides the blockchain. Sorry, what uh, what other chains we are using? There is only one time chain, brother. There is the Bitcoin time chain and there is no other chain, really. Like, it doesn't really... Um, they don't deserve the name chain because it's it can be rolled back, it can be broken, it's controlled by a couple of people. So there's only one chain. <laughs> We're focused on generational wealth and and bull Bitcoin, you know, and like to to us, other chains are, are a distraction. You know, some people can have fun training and and make money, but we're focused on the long term and and giving people an opportunity uh, to secure their futures. Yeah, it's a playground for experimentation for people who uh, cannot play around with Bitcoin Core. Probably, maybe that's a fair. Uh, <laughs> Uh, description of uh, other projects in the space, but generally there is only one, um, at least from our perspective here. Don't know if everyone, anyone wants to disagree on that. Please go ahead or uh, be silent forever. Right. 
Yeah, I might just jump in here. I mean, to make a uh, make a more perhaps nuanced point, you know, building on what Kamal said, and this gets to the heart of of our company, Galloway, where you know we believe that Bitcoin is money, right? And we, the internet was gifted to us in 1983 with a number of protocols: HTTP, SMTP, FTP. We were given no protocol for you know free, open, non-sovereign identity, and we were given no protocol for free, sovereign, um, uncontrollable money and we firmly believe that bitcoin has won that battle to become money over ip in fact it won that battle many in the world just doesn't realize it yet and so our mission at galloy is pretty similar to the mission at bold bitcoin where at galloy we want to make it easy for people to use bitcoin as money on an everyday basis and you know in line with the bold bitcoin mission that you're hearing about today they're making it easier for people to you know control and custody their own money um, uh, in terms of this this novel open source money that, that we coin. So there's much, you know, there's a lot of interesting experimentation on other chains, but if you're concerned about money and we believe that Bitcoin will be the only expression of money over IP, then, you know, this is the, the protocol to focus on. Very good. We have another question from Bitcharman or a comment. Please go ahead. Charman, you have the stage, Charbits. Go ahead. All right, we lost him, I think. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I think uh, it's a good uh, spot to wrap this up for today. Thank you, Tristan and Gustavo, for doing what you do uh, at Bull Bitcoin and Bitcoin support. I think it's a very useful service that uh, hopefully will pick up um, uh, in the future, and um, uh, especially the prospect of, uh, yeah, after orange pilling your family or your friends, um, having a place where you can send them, where where they where you can trust and know that there's solid Bitcoiners who have best intentions for who they give support to, um, um, is really um, something that is. Uh, very valuable for the space and something that we were looking for a long time. Um, I'm seeing like we have now Bitcharman on on the stage. Maybe we can give it another try before we wrap things up. My apologies. Go can ahead. you hear me? We can. Okay, great. Uh, first of all, I love what you're doing. Uh, I've checked out the project online a little bit. Uh, my question is, besides Cold Wallet, what other devices do you have in mind to add in the future? Are you looking at seed signer? Seed signer? Are you looking at uh, the passport from foundation devices? Uh, anything else in mind? Yeah. So we're currently, uh, you know, we had a lot of experience with Cold Card uh, working with us for years. Um, we decided to to have that one first because we were certain of that choice. Uh, we're definitely uh, going doing tests with uh, all the other hardware wallets such as Bitbox, Seed Signer. Uh, Blockstream J, uh, we really specifically like uh, the Spectre uh, hardware wallet as well. Uh, so we still need to do some tests and it still makes to be decided when we launch on that front. Uh, I would add that there's a, we did do enough tests and have enough experience with Ledger and Trezor and we decided not to have them. Uh, and the reason is that, first of all, Ledger has a lot of closed source code uh, and a lot of... Uh, altcoin marketing uh, that we just weren't comfortable with 
And Treasure also has a lot of altcoin marketing, even though it has a good team. And Treasure has some and patchable vulnerabilities uh, that, well, they can, you can work around them with a passphrase. Uh, but really, like, it, because it's so open, so open source, uh, it, it offers a, an attack surface that is a, a bit bigger uh, in, in physical context, which for us was uh, maybe a bit too much. You know, cold card is, is the one we feel the most comfortable with and the one we have a basic support already and we're working on an advanced support. Uh, and we'll see for other hardware wallets. I can't make any promises, but we're definitely looking into many of them. Yeah, and, and uh, the criteria is that they be Bitcoin only. Uh, yeah. that's, a, that's a good criteria. Eliminates many, <laughs> makes your life easier as well. Okay, we have another question. Um, panties, panties for Bitcoin, go ahead. Hi, my name is Pablo. Just a few words to to back up uh, what Gustavo and Tristan was uh, saying. Uh, in my case, we have a company here in Montreal, and uh, we are focusing in what we know how to do, which is manufacturing the panties. But being uh, Bitcoiners, are, we wanted to participate in this uh, space. We uh, gave the uh, support or the management on all our payment processing through uh, Gustavo, through Bull Bitcoin, and uh, I think uh, that it's a great option for companies that uh, want to uh, delegate in uh, an expert hands their uh, management of the, let's say, the Bitcoin part of the business. Uh, just that a few words, and uh, the, the job that they are doing is great. Uh, yeah, thank you, Pablo. Yeah, thank you, Pablo. We yeah, just to give us some context, we we met Pablo in uh, in the Bitcoin Montreal meetup, as we've met so many people, uh, and like uh, we we helped him out with his project and with BTCP server, uh, and we're ha happy to help anyone else uh, that wants to launch a project. Absolutely, and uh, also maybe it's good to mention that, as you said before, uh, uh, the multi language that they can. Uh, manage at uh, Bull Bitcoin. In my case, I'm obviously Spanish uh, speaker as uh, origin, uh, but because of their nature, born in Montreal, uh, they speak uh, French, English, uh, Spanish, which I think that it's a good, uh, a good way to communicate with the vast uh, majority of the people. Thank you, Pablo. Fantastic. We are now almost at the top of the hour. One more uh, question just from Project A. So you guys help other people with their projects? Well, we, we've, uh, first of all, we do help people with uh, everything that comes to self-custody. And also, like, if you've got questions on self-custody, you can go on Bitcoin support. We can help you with liquidity uh, and payment processing in Canada specifically. We help people with that. And we've helped people as well with, with payment processing. Uh, so, like, you can always send me a DM. Uh, but we're very strictly limited to Bitcoin and to, like, Bitcoin payment processing and self-custody. Uh, so, like, anyone that needs help with that can always send me a dm uh, and i'll gladly answer yeah same here uh, feel free to reach out uh, either on twitter or by email or uh, send us a message through uh, bull bitcoin as well and we'll be happy to answer and uh, 
stuff out of it any, any way we can. Fantastic. Um, thanks, guys. Uh, we're at the top of the hour. If you have orange pilled a friend or a family member and you want to send, you don't have time to take care of them, and uh, Bitcoin uh, support.com is a great address to send them to. Uh, we have real Bitcoiners who are giving support with free and open source Bitcoin only products and uh, helping Bitcoiners newbies to climb the staircase to sovereignty. Um, thanks guys for joining. Uh, thank you Bull Bitcoin for what you're doing and Bitcoin support. And make sure that uh, if you missed the space, you can re-listen it um, on our um, Anchor channel. Uh, it's called Adopting Bitcoin. You can find it on Apple and Google Podcasts and Spotify and whatnot. Um, so next week, uh, make sure that you join. Make sure to join in when we have John Carvalho uh, about architecting a self-sovereign economy. And with that said, thanks everyone for listening and see you around. Thank you guys. Thank you for having thanks us. Thanks again for having us. Thanks a lot. Cheers. All right. Bye, everyone.